This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Snigdha and uh, joining me today are two News Laundry reporters, Akanksha Kumar and Ayush Tiwari. Hi Snigdha, how are uh... The hills, <laughs> your last oh, day. <laughs> I know, they're lovely. I mean, it's getting cold, but clear days. I can still see the Kanchanjunga. We all so, wish yeah. we were there and you were constantly bombarding us with those lovely pictures. Yeah, I've been doing that on Instagram, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm feeling really sad. Like, you know, I'm half a mind to stay here, stay back. Poor us, yeah, poor us. I know, but poor me, I have to come back to Delhi tomorrow. Ayush, you told me air quality has gone down again. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, last week it had come down to 100 and, two, uh, 100 and 200. Now it's crossing mm-hmm. 300, 350. Oh, wow. And, and anything above 300 is just, uh, you know, can't take yeah, it. No, it's terrible. And what about you, Akanksha? How have you been doing? Uh, Noida is, I think, slightly better than Delhi, although air quality here also uh, is like really bad. Um, So like I'm also kind of planning to go to my hometown where it like in UP, um, where it's slightly, uh, that's uh, Allahabad, which has renamed as Prayagraj. (laughs) So, (laughs) I just want to get out of this gas chamber for a little while. Absolutely, that makes sense. And after all those, uh, you know, you've gone through a spell of hectic reporting. Yeah, you absolutely deserve it. (laughs) All right. So uh, before we begin, I want to tell all our new listeners about News Laundry. We are a 100% ad-free news platform and we need your support to stay afloat. So please do subscribe to News Laundry. Go to our website and check out all the stuff we do. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, on the top right corner and pay to keep news free. And if you listen to this podcast on platforms like iTunes and Stitcher, remember we have a website, newslaundry.com, a brand new website actually, where you can log on to and check out the other cool stuff we do, like podcasts and interviews and original reportage from the ground. Yes, absolutely. Don't miss out on checking out our website. All right. So uh, I think today we have three reports to discuss. Um, so might as well skip the bizarre news section altogether. Yeah, are you, you, you fi- okay with you that? find out how some of the reports are bizarre. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. We'll come to that. So uh, we'll begin with Akanksha. Uh, so listeners, instead of giving you, you know, the usual introduction to the report, Today, I'd actually like to read out the first few paragraphs from Akanksha Nidhi's latest report from the infamous Lakhimpur Kheri in Uttar Pradesh one more time. And uh, let me just read it out to you. They write, uh, we didn't go looking for Puppy Devi's story. In fact, that's a part of the problem. Nobody went looking for Puppy Devi or her baby or her story. We first heard of her on September 23rd during a conversation with Rajiv Pandey a criminal lawyer who has been practicing at the Lakhimpur Kheri Civil Court for 19 years. We were meeting Pandey to discuss how three girls had been raped and murdered in Lakhimpur Kheri within a span of 21 days between August 14th and September 3rd. What about women's safety, we asked. He almost laughed. A woman's life is in danger before she is born, Pandey said. A year ago, Puppy Devi was pregnant. Her husband and his family wanted a boy, but a girl was born. Between when the mother and the child were discharged and the family reached their home, they had disposed of the girl child and the next morning the mother died. Now, Akanksha, over to you. Uh, Maybe uh, just give our our listeners a brief introduction of what went down. Um, So, uh, uh, firstly, this is a story which has not been picked up uh, by the mainstream media at all. it's about a 50-year-old Sri Krishan uh, who lost his uh, daughter in April this year. Uh, his daughter's name is, uh, was Puppy Devi. Uh, she was 22 years old and uh, uh, she was married last year uh, mm-hmm. to another local, uh, the, like their native village is Tamolipur uh, in, uh, in Lakhimpur Kheri. Um, mm-hmm. The incident... Uh, 
the suspicious death of Puppy Devi and her uh, newly born girl child has been reported and picked up only by local Hindi newspapers uh, so far. And uh, like, I think uh, there are some stories, uh, you know, which after, you know, filing it, you also recall the story behind the story. Mm-hmm. So we uh, never uh, like it was not in our uh, day plan that you know we have to meet so such a you know such a person and uh, we were in the uh, you know uh, local civil court of lakhimpur khiri and we were there to meet uh, advocate rajiv pandey regarding the uh, previous the, three reports that you had done right yeah yes yes mm-hmm. that's right so we we were trying to get some documents uh, in connection with the earlier three uh, rape incidents which were reported uh, from the same mm-hmm. district in august mm-hmm. um and you know suddenly uh, rajiv pande introduces us to shri krishnan who was also sitting in his chamber and he tells mm-hmm. us that you know uh, i mean the government here talks about Beti Bachao and Beti Parhao uh, scheme. Uh, mm-hmm. This man has been trying just to get an FIR filed in his daughter's case mm-hmm. for the last like four and a half months. Wow. And uh, after he, you know, Papi Devi died in April, mm-hmm. uh, it was only in September that the UP police uh, finally filed an FIR, which also happened, uh, you know, after Sri Krishan had written some 15 applications uh, to different officials of the administration, including UP police and, uh, you know, district magistrate. And it was only when DM asked the SP Lakhimpur Khiri to look into the matter, uh, which is when an FIR was filed. No arrests have been made. And uh, the allegation by Sri Krishan and his family members is that for the last one year, uh, their daughter was constantly being harassed for dowry mm-hmm. um, and so much so that uh, her husband, uh, Bablu and uh, Papi Devi's in-laws, they mm-hmm. had even threatened that if you give birth to a girl, we will not let you live. Uh, and I mean, that's one uh, sort of quote of Papi Devi's sister, which kind right. of stood out for me, you know, and she recall that uh, her Jija ji actually said this at their doorstep that if you have a not My God. You know, it feels like we're li- living in a completely different world and this story is like from some hundred years ago or something. Yeah, and, and I, can, I can totally relate to that, uh, uh, you know, notion because uh, I'm also from UP and uh, just to think that there could have been a girl who would uh, be six months old by now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only traces of her life are the footprints, which are part of the medical document at the community health center uh, in uh, Dharara, where Papi Devi was admitted uh, in April. So, uh, when uh, Sri Krishan came to know that, uh, you know, her, his daughter has died suddenly, he goes to their place and from neighbors, he is able to gather that Papi Devi had actually given birth to a child. Uh, he goes to that CHC where the doctor also confirms to him that, yes, uh, we had discharged uh, Papi Devi and her daughter uh, and uh, uh, Papi Devi condition was critical and she had suffered a lot of uh, you know bleeding and po- due to uh, postpartum hemorrhage right. so she was referred uh, to another hospital mm-hmm. uh, and the allegation of uh, by Sri Krishna and his family is that because they didn't want uh, the daughter to live they didn't take her anywhere else and mm-hmm. they allegedly just uh, you know left her to die and uh, even uh, killed their his granddaughter so, uh, Akanksha, now that the FIR has been filed, uh, what's what's the current uh, situation? What is happening? Is uh, the postmortem's been done, right? Uh, postmortem has been done both on Papi, Papi Devi. Uh, postmortem of Papi Devi was done in April itself uh, when uh, Shri Krishan had uh, filed a complaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the police was not willing to admit that you know his granddaughter has gone missing so on the advice of his missing lawyer missing as in what does it mean because the child died right yeah but he didn't know what has happened of the grandchild the, the granddaughter so firstly he had to establish uh, his case uh, he had to show some sort of evidence that there was a live birth uh, right. on that day and therefore on the advice of his lawyer he filed an rti huh. and uh, so basically every time a woman is admitted to a village a chc for delivery uh, there is a three step process there is a three step checklist prescribed by the who Hmm. which the local asha worker or the nurse who is hmm. assisting the woman in uh, delivery has to fill in huh. so these documents are actually your uh, your sort of government document or evidence uh, through which it's like uh, keeping a track of live births uh, hmm. at every uh, community health center hmm. and these documents on on that day or in april they just it, the, the the timeline is clear she uh, puppy devi is admitted at 11:30 pm at 3 am she delivers the girl child the child is uh, healthy it was weighing uh, you know 2.03 uh, 2 kgs around 2.5 mm. kgs um, mm. and uh, there was no abnormality in the girl child uh, mm. even though and you know the, there 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 is this graph which is part of the document and you can actually see the heart rate of that girl child mm. uh, and finally when the child is handed over to the family uh, the footprints of the newly born they are taken on a sheet of paper Mm. so someone from the family puts a thumbprint impression and the doctor signs on that document and which is when the child is handed over to the woman's family mm. uh and in this document the chc head has signed it you have footprints of a child and there is a thumb impression on the right hand side as well mm. uh, which uh, we believe is of someone uh, from puppy devi's in-law side who mm. had taken her to the chc mm. and after that there is no trace of the child um wow in august uh, shri krishnan and his family they sat on a day long dharna at dm's office that you know you have to do something in this case and you have to file an fir hmm. following a day long protest uh, an fir was filed and uh, it was then i think uh, when the remains of the child were exhumed uh, meters away from the place in where puppy devi had been cremated in april did the family did the puppy devi's in-laws they gave this information about where the child was uh, no buried? so uh, the role of puppy devi's in-laws has been quite suspicious because oh. like even when we tried to call uh, puppy devi's husband and uh, one of her uh, in-laws is husband of the local pradhan Uh, and is supposed to be an influential figure uh, who also played a role in uh, sort of matrimony uh, as well uh, they just disconnect your call they'll just say some random things that oh yes uh, uh, anyway she was not feeling well something can mm. happen something bad happened mm. and then when you would ask okay to aap bablu bol rahe hain unke husband and he would say nahi hum hame nahi pata and you know like so it was a very bizarre sort of conversation mm. wherein they would not even confirm if they are related to puppy devi in some way mm. um so their version is not really out in public domain which makes their role even more suspicious right right and they they're not very keen on speaking as well or or any clarification making any clarification so either yeah there is no uh, all of them like the mother in law father in law uh, husband uh and this uh, person who is uh, shri kanhaiya lal who is uh, like husband of the of a local pradhan they all have been named in the fir mm. but uh, they are not uh, they have not really come forward to make any sort of public uh, statement right right so akanksha tell me something i mean since you guys have been reporting from lakhimpur kri and uh, i mean i think this is not just a problem uh you know uh specific to lakhimpur kri i mean uh you i guess you've it's quite evident that this is a societal issue right you know uh, 
what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you've spoken to so many men also. I mean, when you were reporting from the ground, from Lakhimpur Kheri, what is, what do you think is, is there a problem with the way, there is certainly a problem with the way um, men think, right? Not just men, actually, even women who live there. Um, what do you think it is? I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, societal attitudes do play a big role uh, when, you know, every time uh, such a crime happens, because like this woman, Papi Devi, uh, she was the only one in her family and there are three sisters who had done like what who had completed her graduation. And uh, uh, like her mother would recall that, uh, you know, she would tell every child in her family to go and attend the school um, like her books are still kept there uh, very uh, neatly in in her uh, house so there was an ambitious side of this woman but uh, her father is a sugar mill worker who uh, earns 4000 rupees per month yeah. and that this is the usual way uh, families respond to uh, when it comes to kind of figuring out the trajectory for a daughter is that, you know, they cross 20 and they are married mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Um, if, you know, Papi Devi would have picked up a job, a, a very simple teaching job or something mm-hmm. else, uh, maybe uh, she would not uh, have been subjected to this kind of harassment. Maybe she could have been able to assert herself uh, because, uh, you know, the way women are conditioned in our society, especially mm-hmm. uh, in villages, she was being beaten up by her husband. She was being subjected to verbal abuse. She was not allowed to even call at her home and someone from her in-law side would sit next to her every time she would make a call on mobile. And yet, uh, you know, she would tell her parents that it's fine. She would not really open up. Mm-hmm. Um And therein also lies the problem when you decide to endure this kind of behavior. Definitely the toxicity of it uh, will take the woman's life or it will take a toll, which is Mm. what happened in this case. Right. And uh, uh, I mean, it's a tough question again, Akanksha, but uh, are you done (laughs) with Lakhimpur Kheri yet? Or I mean, if these stories continue i mean i'm sure there will be reports of such cases all kinds of cases of uh, you know abuse against women and gender violence uh, will you continue reporting i mean in the new near future or do you want to take a break or as a reporter i'm just asking you so um i mean it's only been 2 years since i started full time reporting and um you know i always told myself that uh, I'm smart enough, you know, to embed myself into an ecosystem and come out of it. Mm. Um, but this, this Lakhimpur stretch of six days has made this entire process of compartmentalizing really difficult for me. Mm. And uh, it has affected me personally, um, so much so that, you know, I just wanted these stories to end. Uh, mm. I really wanted uh, uh, them, you know, to just, you know, just, uh, I just want to file my stories and be done with this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did get a brief break also because this was the last story. So at least for the last one week, I've been trying to focus on other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, then when you also, uh, get your sort of a sense of breather, you also see these full page ads by the UP government where the chief minister Yogi Adityanath is boasting and bragging that, you know, he has launched some four or five helplines. Uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, rebrands it at, as uh, mission Shakti. Mm. You can see the, through Hypocrisy. the fallacy and, you know, you can, you can, you, you can just uh, see how uh, superficial and cosmetic all these measures are because uh, on the ground, it, they, you have met someone who's struggling even to file an FIR. Until mm. uh, the time Papi Devi's uh, story had gone live on our website, Sri Krishan and his neighbor has like called me two, three times asking, ma'am, is there something in this? Do you think that we'll get something in this? Do you think we'll get something in this? Mm. 
and at some point you know these questions do haunt you as an individual also you start thinking ki kya byline hi kafi hai ya isse zyada kuch hum kar sakte hain because uh, we are also just uh, part of the same sort of setup and right. it, it, we also can't make institutions work uh, for a shri krishan mm-hmm. so i think i would continue to sort of brood over these questions and uh, the kind of i mean i'll also try that uh, till the times for the next 6 months uh, yogi adityanath has uh, you know told i think uh, to all the police officials like uh, this is the messaging that has gone from lucknow uh that they have to tell people about all these helplines and the benefits it has and i think as a reporter i would like to continue to look for more stories like shri krishnan in the next 6 months uh thank you for that akanksha and also i mean uh, one more question one last question uh you know since you've been met all these people been on the ground um and you've done your bit uh by reporting the story uh what next what, what what are the see i mean the first response when you hear these stories immediately is what the hell is wrong with the government what are they doing right but since we since you um, mentioned before that this is a deep rooted societal issue right how can we i mean what do you think is uh, like a solution i mean how do we approach this um see i think uh... it's very very difficult to change a certain mindset only through reportage uh one thing one distinctive feature of lakhimpur series was the fact that we decided to uh, highlight the brutality of the incident mm. so even the findings of the postmortem report were are a part of the text piece as well as like the video series because we wanted to tell our viewers that this is the kind of uh you know brutality a 3 year old or a 17 year old or a 13 year old had to endure mm-hmm. um so firstly i think uh, that sensitization should happen somehow through the storytelling mm-hmm. um apart from that i think from like just uh, reporting on the incident won't be enough i think we need to focus on some other issues as well mm. uh, maybe uh, the uh, the uh, the gap in the sex ratio why are girls dropping out uh, why aren't there more sort of uh, job opportunities in villages like tamolipur mm. um, this is a government which has been talking about skill india program so is it accessible uh, for a person like papi devi who has mm-hmm. a, who's the only graduate in her family mm-hmm. uh, so i think we'll have to look uh, through several such prisms uh, at different aspects uh, that you know uh, are part of the problem only then i think some sort of a uh, change will happen or come about in the next 4 or 5 years because i think somewhere down the line if you see the mainstream reportage is also about just going and grabbing those low hanging mm-hmm. fruit incident exactly. you you went there you took few bites and you came back mm. so that larger storytelling is also not happening whereby mm. you actually scrutinize uh, people's attitudes i mean um, i think uh, somewhere in up uh, uh just two weeks ago uh, a girl was raped and uh, it was later revealed that uh, even her some vital or like lungs were taken out yes 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 and uh, it was all because there was a neighbor who had uh, got in touch with uh, some kind of sadhu and he had some suggested some black magic yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and they were they were they were they thought that by doing this they will actually have a child after some 14 15 years mm. and and you you know like i mean for me it's such a shocking thing uh, where are we going like you mm. actually think you can become a mother by burning someone else by taking out someone else's lungs i mean what kind of yeah. ecosystem are you living in and these yeah. quacks abound like in hundreds and thousands yeah. uh, especially in states like up because uh, you know we we have always been calling it ulta pradesh for this mm. very reason 
बिकॉज गवर्नमेंट स्कीम्स डोंट वर्क लास्ट माइल डिलीवरी ऑफ बेनिफिट विच आर मेंट फॉर द पुअर दे डोंट रीच दैम and then these loopholes these uh, which has been rightly called as the absent state by uh, nilesh mishra and rahul pandita in in one of their books mm-hmm. uh, this absent state is filled in by these quags these sadhus yeah. and these black magic people mm-hmm. um, so yeah i mean there are several several angles with through which we'll have to approach when it comes to reporting on crime against women and only then i think we'll be able to do our bit as a reporter mm. and as a journalist right thank you so much akanksha that was very uh, insightful and uh, uh, i i learned a lot um ayush um, so uh, since you're from uttar pradesh yourself i have the same question for you that i asked akanksha right now yeah i mean you know akanksha i think she knows way more than i do about the, uh, how things are messed up and i mean we all know when we talk about uttar pradesh there the conversation just takes a hopeless turn and then you start you know um being resentful about how bad things are and i've uh, since we've grown up there and i've been spent two months of every year of my childhood in uttar pradesh at my mm. you know nani's house dadi's house it's uh, it's well known you know people have uh, reconciled to the fact that how bad things can get and they mm. found their own ways out and part of it is as you said the sort of rent seeking that happens that people enter and do these things mm. so uh, uh, but uh, i of course when the conscious spoke about it i that uh, got me thinking more and more mm. but the general impression i think for all of us is the very same i think absent state as a term pretty mm. much captures that right right one more question ayush um uh, to what extent like you know akanksha just mentioned right that uh, it was a very deliberate um, uh, thing that they did while reporting when they mentioned uh, uh, the post mortem reports and the brutality of the crime right mm. uh, of all these crimes uh, mm. to what extent does making people face the brutality of these crimes make a difference um you know uh, i i'm not sure it uh, i think it can play either way when i covered this one case in aligarh last year hmm. uh, the one small kasba called tappal where a 3 year old uh, girl she was from a hindu family she it was alleged that you know her muslim neighbors had uh, killed her and threw thrown her in a dump outside their home hmm. and it was the revelation of how brutal the murder was which ultimately made it trend on twitter first and second when i reached there these um, hordes of uh, right wing uh, you know hindu vigilantes Mm. came in just pouring into the town from neighboring villages mm. and it uh, really i must give it to the police administration of how well they you know how well and organized they were in keeping these people out of the cities mm. because they would they had to barricades and had to pull these people out of the town because it's i i was one i was in one of those uh, you know the march they took out these vigilantes mm. where they went to muslim mohallas and shouted ki suwaron ko goli maro and all that so it i think it can play either uh, it can go either way but say in that context these things shouldn't happen but then mm. you know the, then you have interplay of different things you have social media you have your how well your police acts i i'm sure we know of many instances where the police isn't that active mm. in uh, controlling the violence rather yeah. they you know give usko aur badhava dete hain mm-hmm. so i don't think we can give a blanket answer to that it's up to them to realize in the case they are handling of how well or wise it is to reveal the brutality of you know crimes like those right all right so uh, ayush now coming to you about your latest report uh yeah. uh on huffington post india uh, shutting down all of a sudden on the 24th of november it was quite a surprise right it was and uh, it was <laughs> the wait happened also i think you know all this story i think i don't think they're still up so the manner which with in which it happened and there was no announcement everyone was just going to the website and they found out that this thing was appearing so it was rather dramatic 
Yeah, yeah, quite dramatic. Nobody saw it coming. Uh, but did the employees themselves did they see it coming? Uh, so I, it was a mixed response. I spoke to a couple of people there, and mm. one person told me that mm. when they woke up on that day, they didn't know that it would be going down by evening. But another person told me that they did. Mm. So there seems to be some sort of discrepancy in how these things were communicated to them. but the fact that there seemed to be no prior intimation of the fact that this would happen because i remember mm. one of the reporters had tweeted uh, published one of uh, a story that mo- morning itself and she had tweeted it out so i didn't think even she knew that uh, the story that she was going to had filed and would go on the website would be taken down by evening so uh, right. i think some of them were shocked but some uh, at least one seemed to have an idea that this would happen so how many people uh, have lost their jobs ayush i think the 12 of them because the, the editorial team uh, the strength was 12 including your editor in chief yeah. and everyone else and i think all 12 have lost their yeah. jobs oh. okay so so tell us why it happened and uh, you know the yeah. background information yeah uh, so there are a couple of things first of all uh, last week uh, busfeed bought huffington post and it was almost yeah. uh, in the international press if you read it seen as a full circle because the man the ceo of busfeed was also the co-founder of huffington post when it launched in 2005 in fact he created busfeed while he was uh, working at Huffington Post and on the side he would make these listicles you know the kind of sp- what scoopoop took up later mm-hmm. in india and busfeed was pro- yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. born busfeed was born in the offices of huffington post and now busfeed bought huffington yeah. post so um so yeah wow. th- that happened last uh, last week and we don't know what was the price and how much they bought it for but the context of that is that in the us mm. they've realized over the last couple of years and cherry had reported this Uh, i think last year that uh, digital news websites weren't getting enough ads and they are dependent most 70% of the ads there go to amazon facebook and google so everyone else remaining gets like small scraps so when these companies acquire each mm-hmm. other basically what they're trying to do they're not only tapping into the readership of uh, say huffington post which was feed will now get but also huffington mm. posts uh, ad networks right so uh-huh. so mm-hmm. huffington post in a way will benefit from busfeed's ad would ad network and vice versa so right, uh, right. it's a process of contraction and concentration that's happening in the in the west mm. and that was uh, it was a pretty surprising move but what turned out to be the case is that uh, bus huffington post india sorry half mm. post mm. in 2017 they changed huffington post to half post right right so right. half post right. india and half post brazil were not part of this acquisition and the, sim- the simple reason was that both in brazil busfeed could not function and in uh, india busfeed could function but huffington post could not function because of the new fdi norms that have been put out by yeah. uh, the narendra modi government and uh, what are those norms you cannot have foreign investment more than 26% yeah. you know that is basically the point the whole larger story they are trying to tell is that foreign money should not be coming into the indian media mm. or that there should be no foreign influence into how indian media editorially functions that is the mm. largest story they're trying to sell which mm. sells very well mm. but the fine print of it means that they're saying ki, okay we are allowing 26% foreign investment that's such a good thing right but uh. <laughs> that's an obfuscation because before that it was there was no limit so it was practically 100% so exactly. they are reducing foreign investment but they're presenting it as mr javrekar when he came out uh, in the press conference last year he said we're allowing 26% as if he's doing mm-hmm. a favor yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, it was it was obviously that's politics and what that means is uh, companies like half post which in india at least uh, unlike us was yeah. producing reportage they were not doing so many columns or producing uh, pieces on things that had happened right they were mm-hmm. going to the ground reporting and uh, they had carried that investigative series on electoral bonds by nitin sethi so it mm-hmm. was news content and therefore they fell into these uh, in within the ambit of these rules so mm-hmm. but sphere of course realized and as in my story i've pointed out 
on the slack on slack uh the ceo had put out a message saying why they can't do that and he said that's hmm. because you know legally we cannot uh, hold a company like huffpost india in india anymore so yeah, there was no yeah. point in buying acquiring huffpost india and huffpost brazil so practically they've been orphaned and both of them okay. closed down on the same day right now i was um, talking about fdi and uh, the government's policy towards digital news media can yeah. you give uh, yeah. what was the government's policy towards digital news media prior to the introduction of this 26% cap on fdi well there was actually no policy they uh. had it was an undefined territory in a way mm. and you could have whatever uh, you know proportion of fdi investment into uh, any company you ran of course concerned with digital media so that was sort of an open market you know it was mm. um, uh, and it was growing at a very exponential rate for that very reason Hmm. If you look at the TV industry in India, hmm. uh, you have one big channel launching in once in five years, and that's yeah. sort of slow. Why does that happen? Because there is strict licensing rules. You have to pay a carriage fee, which goes into crores, hmm. and then you have to get a clearance from the INB ministry, which people like say Raghav Bell couldn't get for five years hmm. when they launched a quintillion media. Yeah. So uh, a lot of complications, and those complications are absent in the digital media space. Mm-hmm. So that was growing pretty exponentially, and we saw all these portals starting from uh, News Laundry in 2012 to, you know, most recently you have uh, new portal come new portals coming up like uh, Asia Will. Yeah, Amit Amit, a former colleague uh, at Asia yeah, Will. Yeah. So HuffPost came in 2014. I think Quint came in 2015. Wire Stroll, came in 2015. Stroll, Wire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was so, an explosion. Yeah. Right. Right. So I mean, uh, and this, I guess, these are the reasons why digital news media has still been able to maintain some sort of independence, right? And uh, you know, keep at its critical uh, approach towards. uh bad policies or you know mistakes on the government's part and all of that right uh but uh, ayush what does it mean i mean what does this 26% cap on fdi in digital news media mean for uh news the news industry in india especially digital which is still at a very nascent stage i mean compared to other countries well we face the same problems that digital uh, media industry faces in the west you know mm. um, probably we at news laundry don't face that because we are subscriber based but mm. other portals which depend on ads face the same problem they try to uh, work their way under system where uh, see the the big advertisers spend thousands of crores on advertising uh, a lot mm. of that mon- a good amount of that money also comes into the digital space in india but then that does not uh, seep down to your wire or scroll or the quint right it again goes to your social media giants like facebook those giants also know that they the kind of monopoly they enjoy in getting the ad revenue is so large that like i think facebook has pledged 100 million dollars in grants to other media houses google has pledged i think 300 billion dollars mm-hmm. in similar grants <laughs> yeah. so these companies yeah. in their own way to try to you know give back something because even they know that if they acquire monopoly uh, yeah. the mood the sentiment is anyway against them and that is this exacerbated so in india you face the same problems most portals depend on ads and when they don't get ads uh they'll probably look for funding from outside or they look for foreign ownership and they look for angel investors which if you try to block uh means that's you know that's the end practically then you have the media uh, media houses closing down and people getting fired and then the space for independent journalism grows smaller and smaller and i think huffington post was the first casualty in that respect right so scary times for all of us <laughs> Well, when has has it not been scary? <laughs> not been <laughs> <laughs> but, right. But yeah, it's, um, it's a good time to plug subscriber-based models, you know. Absolutely, hundred percent. So, guys, please do check out News Laundry, and we're not saying you know, oh, please subscribe to us. Go to our website, read all these ground reports. There have been so many series, like. in depth ground reports uh, that uh, ayush and akanksha and nidhi and all our other reporters basant have been doing so please read them and then if you're convinced 
I'm, which I'm sure you will be, uh, please do subscribe to News Laundry. All right, Ayush, uh, we have another story to discuss yeah. <laughs> about your favorite TV man. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally my favorite. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so listeners, um, Ayush and Anna, who's a new reporter who's joined News Laundry, they have uh, written a report, new report titled, Sudarshan News claimed its UPSC Jihad show was misquoted. It didn't fly with INB ministry. So, Ayush, uh, this whole UPSC Jihad uh, drama started quite a while ago, right? A couple of months at least? I think in late August. So for those of our listeners who don't have a clue about what we're talking about, what is this UPSC Jihad, <laughs> especially at the time when they've been hearing all about Love Jihad, please enlighten them, Ayush. Well, uh, this show was uh, first, uh, at least it was going to air in late August, but he put out a trailer on his Twitter channel where he said that there's a you know, conspiracy and Indian Muslims are trying to infiltrate the Indian bureaucracy. Uh, and uh, it was stayed and then the stay was taken off and finally when it was heard by the uh, Supreme Court in mid-September there was Mm. a stay on it temporary which still stands and he had broadcast four episodes and they were you can go and check out our reports they were funded by people brands like Amul and the UP government and he he said things which are you know even if your own relative said you'd probably uh, throw them out of your house, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Even for for a, a default bigot, it's like a two step uh, to to ahead. So it was really really communal and really yeah. distasteful, and that's why the stay had occurred. Now since then they've been hearing that case in the Supreme Court. The government, what it's doing is it's trying to tell the Supreme Court that look. Uh, probably you shouldn't interfere too much because we are the executive, we are the elected people. Hmm. We'll see what we can do about this channel. And they did do that. Uh, this set up an interministerial committee hmm. to, which would look at this show. And on November 4th, they passed an order to Sudarshan TV in which, well, uh, depending on where you come from, uh, some people say it's too light. Some people say it's you know it's uh, strict and all, but the government told them that your show was in bad taste, uh, in poor taste, strict wording, and that it uh, was likely there was likelihood that it will promote communal attitudes, mm-hmm. and therefore they were have been given a warning and said that the next time you broadcast a show. You first show it to us after making modification and moderating it. And then you put it on air. Although the Supreme Court is still to hear, uh, the Supreme Court has a copy of this order and it will, uh, there'll be a proceeding over it. Let's see what the Supreme Court thinks of this order. But that's the bottom line that Chavanke, who's the chief editor, will mm-hmm. have to show um, what changes he has made before that goes to, uh, uh, you know, broadcast again on the national television and in that's the order when we accessed it everyone reported on that order but we saw that there's an annexure in which uh, the inter, uh, the ministry of INB in September had mm. told uh, Sudarshan News that here are 30 instances from that show which are inflammatory and you explain to us 30 instances 13 one three. 13 yeah. okay. here are 13 and you mm. tell us uh, how uh, they don't violate the program code, which is this very, you know, rather uh, vague set of uh, codes Norms. which were enshrined mm-hmm. in 1994, something, you know, law as old as that. And it has things like, you know, and they shouldn't broadcast anything that is in the breach of decency or mm-hmm. something as uh, uh, nebulous as that. But anyway, that's back into the conversation, thanks to Mr. Chavanke. Mm-hmm. And the story we've done is about how he responded to them, which is very comical and in a very, uh, very canny. Right, right. So can you can you elaborate a little on that? How did he respond? Well, his response to every instance of him being told that this is, uh, you know, potentially um, very huh. communal. He says, oh, you've been, I've been misquoted. You know, you haven't read the transcript. Let me reproduce something so that... Uh, for your interest, you learn more about what I was trying to say. Some pompous answers like that. And uh, this is prob- like a formal response to you that, like, he tells you all this. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, he, he's, he's actually playing the politician's game back at the politician. <laughs> this is how the politicians respond when they're told that, you know, you've said something shitty and they'll oh, I've been taken out of context oh. and all of that. So he did exactly that. But obviously the ministry, I don't know what's the behind the door politics that goes on. They didn't perhaps like being told by this man. Hmm. Uh, that uh, they cannot read a transcript or they cannot transcribe a simple show. And uh, they, as they should have, told him that, you know, uh, game over, we don't like your yeah. show. And yeah. here are two things, three things you should do. Right, right. Uh, so, are you sh- I mean, uh, initially when uh, this whole show gathered limelight for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, it was like a series, right? There were multiple episodes that he had planned on this whole supposed UPSC jihad, right? You know, I think it has to be one episode he had to do. Achha. But then he realized, that given the kind of controversy that it caused, huh. that he can profit from it by turning oh. that one episode into 10 episodes. Right. <laughs> you know, he, he, that's a very uh, clever thing to do, by the way. Yeah. And full marks to him for seeing such potential. But actually, uh, if, if something is caused a furor, mm. then you, if you do that one for 10 days, and as we see, you know, we've discussed Bark and TV ratings. Mm. That's a great formula for getting better ratings for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so, so 10 so episodes. Right, right. So Ayush, initially when the courts held him up, initially when these uh, shows came out, what yeah. was the center's response? Well, the center's response was that, um, uh, you know, the court was told them that uh, what this reflects is that the government does not have a good regulation mechanism in place huh. to make sure that these channels uh, don't put on content like this. And the government's response was no. Right. The regulation is pretty good. The regulation is actually bad in the digital media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you should actually regulate them, which was such a subterfuge and such exactly. so naked maneuver mm-hmm. to you know change the conversation that even mm-hmm. the Supreme Court called bullshit on it. And uh, I remember I was in the proceeding when Justice Chandrachud was hearing uh, one of these, uh, he was in, he's on the bench hearing this mm. case mm. and the NBA, the News, News Broadcasters Association mm. told him that, you know, we have a perfect regulatory mechanism and he was like, do you, have you seen TV? Have you opened your TV? <laughs> have oh, you yes, seen the I channels remember. and know what's going on? How can you say something like that? Yeah. So the, these people, the Supreme Court knows what's going on. But right. the government was trying to change the conversation and drive the uh, drive it towards regulation in the online media, which Shekhar Gupta very, you know, crisply captured. He said that the governments never talk about regulation when they are not in trouble, especially when they face heat <laughs> is when the conversation on regulation starts. Yeah. So that was the government's response to the courts. Are you telling me something initially when the courts, uh, when the Delhi High Court held up uh, Sudarshan TV and Surisha K for uh, the UPSC Jihad show, uh, what was the center's response that time? Well, the High Court had uh, stayed the show's broadcast, even the first episode, and then it had ceded to the government no. saying, you take a call on whether this should go forward. No. And the center had then said that, you know, uh, we'll make sure we've given them the warning that they won't violate any program code. And then the show was allowed to broadcast on September 11, 12, 13 and 14. Hmm. Which is why the people who say that the center's order was very, uh, you know, diluted. They hmm. point to this first instance that the first warning had come all the way back in early September. Yeah. And even then, regardless of that, he did not uh, tone down his show and it was very mm-hmm. unpleasant. Right, right. So, and, and now the center finally, second time, uh, they're saying that okay, now you have to uh, keep it, keep it in your. <laughs> okay, yeah. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so basically, the center's approach to uh, Sudarshan News has been like a you know parent dealing with an ill-tempered child, but not yeah. knowing how to deal with an ill-tempered child. Yeah, it's bad parenting, but you know, as they say, yeah. there's a Hindi me kahavat ki de rai hai. Uh-huh. At least we get something. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So that's that. I think uh, we're done with today's discussion and we should finish off with some recommendations. Akanksha, why don't you go first? So um, I would like to recommend this book uh, called Off the Record by Norman Perlstein. 
um, which is quite relevant in the backdrop of Delhi High Court asking uh, Z News to reveal uh, its source uh, in a particular story uh, on Delhi riots. And this is something that uh, even Norman Perlstein, uh, former editor-in-chief of Time Inc., had also debated uh, when he was uh, asked to reveal uh, the source uh, of one of his uh, reporter uh, in court. And the story was uh, about this particular uh, uh, person uh, who was in CIA. She was a wife of a diplomat who was quite critical of George uh, Bush's uh, decision to invade Iraq uh, after 9-11. Right. So, uh, I mean, I think this is uh, something which is often debated in newsrooms, both by editors as well as journalists, whether uh, you need to reveal the source of your story. And uh, Pearlstein explains why he decided uh, to go ahead and reveal the source, even though he uh, received a lot of flack at that time uh, for doing so. Uh-huh. I see. Thank you so much, Akanksha. And Ayush, what about you? There's a, there was a piece in uh, this American magazine called Politico in mm-hmm. August by Alex Thompson called What Obama Really Thought About Biden. And <laughs> it's a re- really well-reported piece on how Obama thought that Biden... Uh, was not that uh, great a candidate to run for president. And he, in fact, preferred Hillary. And when Biden finally won, it's almost been like, you know, uh, under under the table jab back at Obama saying, see, you know, we proved you wrong. Mm. It's really a well-reported piece and American journalism in any way top-notch. So I think people should read that. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, I don't have anything worthwhile to recommend this week but I do have a song since I'm leaving home I'm in Dajling right now and I'm leaving tomorrow for Delhi Uh, so I have this Nepali song (laughs) to recommend Uh, it's called Asar and it is by this artist called Bipul Chetri and uh, he's a folk singer Um, I think even if you don't understand the language it's just lovely to hear so do give it a try All right, Um, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please do rate the podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're tuned into. And we also have a bunch of other podcasts like Hafta and Awful and Awesome. Better the rating, more the reach, and that means more subscribers, and that means better content. And if you like this podcast, please tell your friends and friends or Azad Patrakarata ko badhavate. Yes. And also, uh, we're very eager to hear your feedback. Uh, we want to get better. So please do write to us with your feedback at contact at newslaundry.com uh, with reporters without orders in the subject line. Uh, you could also leave your comments on Twitter or Facebook or our Instagram page. And uh, with that, this podcast is adjourned. Thank you and see you next week. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.